everyone, I'm Brandon Odo. And I'm Brian Bowling. And this is Critical Care Scenarios, the podcast where we use clinical cases, narrative storytelling, and expert guests to unpack how critical care is practiced in the real world. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. It is Brandon Odo back with Brian Bowling. Hey, everybody. And we got some lightning rounds for you, a little bit of chit-chat, a little bit of discussion. Um, we're going to kind of do a sort of meta topic here, just looking at the topic of online medical education, um, which you know we always used to call FOAM, although I feel like that's becoming an acronym that not everyone knows anymore. We're almost, it's almost dating us. But that, that's free, open access, online medical education. Um, the stuff that you get for free. It's just floating around, uh, produced by people for the public good. And essentially, this podcast is an example. But I thought we could chat about what other examples we like. Because, you know, we are both uh, producers, but also consumers of foam. Um, and there is still a lot of great stuff out there, although kind of seems like it's dwindling sometimes. A lot of stuff is moving more towards paid models. People are busy. They want to get paid for their time. But there is still great stuff, and it really has been one of the defining features of, you know, the current or the most recent generations of medical education, I think. And I think we still both use a lot of it. So I thought we could just share what the resources are that we like, obviously not including <clears throat> our own podcast. Of course, we're huge listeners of this show. That's the best thing out there, really, to be honest. This is... Yeah, I don't know why you'd need more, to be honest. But, you know, <laughs> hey, if you feel here. like, <laughs> you know, maybe our release schedule is not quite aggressive enough for you. Maybe you listen to eight hours of podcasts a day. You know, we're not, we're not making that. So I understand. I understand. All right. So, Brian, t- tell me. Let's, let's start with podcasts. What, what other podcasts okay. do you like to listen to? All right. So I'm going to be honest. I actually don't listen to a whole lot of medical podcasts anymore. I used to listen to a ton. And now it's pretty select. Um, and it's not because they're not good. There's tons of good stuff still out there. I just find that, you know, I'm, I make a medical podcast. I work in clinical medicine. When I'm not working in clinical medicine, I'm teaching medicine. I read. It's just sometimes overload. So I take breaks. But I do still listen to a couple of things, mostly because I think they're really good and they're short. I like really short stuff because I feel like I pick up new things, not only from my practice, but stuff that I can share with my students too. So I'll, I'll start with one that I really like. It's not always super critical care. Well, or not only not just critical, it's not always, it's not always super applicable to what I do in critical care, right? I've worked, we've talked before. I work in pretty specialized areas of critical care. But um, it is always good in terms of acute care stuff. So it's a lot of times good stuff for my students. Um, And the episodes tend to be like super short, like 10 minutes or less. So I can listen to it like literally as a palate cleanser in between two other episodes. You know, so if I'm at the park listening to something for fun while I walk the dog, I can pop this in in between. And it is a pharmacy podcast called The Elective Rotation with Pharmacy Joe. So the website is pharmacyjoe.com and we'll have links to all of these things in the show notes for you, but uh, it's really good. So this guy, he's a clinical pharmacist. It's really aimed, I think, primarily at pharmacists, but it's quick reviews of different medications. 
Um, and a lot of reviews of recent papers and articles and things like that. So it really helps if you want to kind of stay up to date on the new things that are going on in medicine in terms of pharmacotherapy, but also a lot of times it's just not necessarily new and cutting edge stuff. It's just good stuff that I forget about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I listened to that one for a while. Um, my preferences in podcast, like, like you, um, I, I actually still do listen a lot, but uh, not to a lot of the things I used to. They've come and gone, um, and it kind of you know ebbs and flows. My preferences are usually informed by, <clears throat> I, on a technical level, I have a hard time now with um, podcasts where the quality is not that good. So a lot of them are kind of like so-so on how they record, and if you're in the habit of that, you don't even notice, but once you, I think doing this podcast has made me more attuned. So when it sounds like you're listening to someone through their voicemail or from the bottom of a well or something. I just, I have a hard time putting up with it. I also, um, you know, I'm interested in people who have um, opinions or, you know, you sharing their practice. Um, I, for whatever reason, I have a hard time getting into ones that are heavily about uh, reviewing literature or, um, you know, a lot of discussions can be, potentially good, but end up being not that engaging because it just ends up kind of talking around topics but not actually presenting opinions, depending on who you have discussing. Um, and I'm also quite open to things that are sort of critical care adjacent, so from specialties that are important to us but are not critical care because that's often where there's the most to learn. I mean, you need to hear another topic about ARDS or something. Maybe not, but there could be a lot of low-hanging fruit hearing from uh, an ID person or a cardiology person about things in their areas. So th that's kind of my bias. Um, the, you know, the ones that have really kind of been a big part of my growing up, um, uh, the MCRIT podcast, Scott Weingart, it's a very influential part of my training. Um, you know, uh, production has dropped off a little. Scott has gone to a lot of it is uh, paid now. Um, but still, I, I am still a listener. Um, I really still like um, uh, the Gobbit of Pus, which is Mark Chrislip's podcast. Uh, Mark is an ID guy of, of many decades now. And he just does short little podcasts, a few minutes, which are just his clinical experiences. But he like... He works so much. He covers like a bunch of hospitals and he has for many, many years. And he is a pure clinician. So all he's doing is tons of patient care. So he has stories. I mean, <clears throat> it seems insane that every week or however, however often he has another interesting ID case to talk about. But he does. <laughs> they're like, there's about like 1,500 or 2,000 episodes or something. Um, and they're just really kind of interesting and engaging. And uh, just a really great example, I think, of uh, what a just a really experienced, skilled clinician looks like. Someone who isn't not doing research or I don't know if he teaches, but that's not really what it's about. But just someone who's really good at what they do um, and kind of sharing their approach. Um, I still find that very interesting. I, the, I, um, Lately, I've gotten more into kind of internal medicine-y things because I've gotten back into medical critical care more, so focusing on those topics. So I'm really liking Core I Am, which is a, a medicine show, but phenomenally produced, just really excellent didactic stuff about medicine topics, but um, really high yield. They do it various formats, and I think they're all, they're all really interesting. 
Um, what are the, some of the ones that you used to be into that you're maybe not listening to now? Well, I still, I still do listen to some, just not as often as frequently. So my big one that's probably critical here adjacent, like you with internal medicine is curbsiders. Um, the curbsiders internal medicine podcast is a good one that I'll turn to every now and then they cover stuff that's, you know, acute care, hospital medicine type stuff. Uh, but a lot of it has some overlap in the ICU. Um, you know, some that I used to listen to a ton, MCRIT, of course. Um, one that I really loved for a long time, and I haven't listened to it in a while, um, but maybe I'm going to pull it back out, is the Maryland Critical Care Project. Um, if you're not familiar with this one, this is produced, I, I it used to be produced by the fellows. I think it's produced by faculty now, because I think they're people that used to be fellows and now are faculty, at the University of Maryland with their critical care fellowship program. So these were like lectures that were given for their critical care fellows. Now, I will say production value is not as great on this because it is a like live recording of someone giving a talk in an auditorium. So it doesn't sound produced. It doesn't sound very um, polished and put together. But it's like a recording of a talk. Um, and they're always good. And that's the podcast where I've discovered that um, there are certain people who speak and teach. Uh, and I don't, I don't care what they're talking about. They're good teachers, and I'll listen to them. Um, and that started to really expand my horizons from a topic standpoint because I might look and go, I'm not really interested in this topic, but oh man, that guy, he's really good. I'm going to listen to it. And turns out I learned some stuff even when I thought I might not. Yeah, I used to love the uh, Maryland Critical Care Project. Like, yeah, like you said, I think it's just it's just broadcasts of their lectures there. Um, yeah. I agree. The quality is iffy. I think they're all virtual now, and they just record their Zoom feeds or whatever. Um, so, I, and also because it is just part of their their fellow training program, you start to see the same topics sometimes come up. So I, I've dropped off a little bit of it, but there is a lot of great stuff there. Um, I also, um, gosh, I uh, there's ACRAC. Anesthesia, critical care reviews mm -hmm. and commentary. That's um, Jed Wolpaw's show. I was on it once. Um, that's the anesthesia show. So, you know, sort of adjacent, but um, a lot of good topics there. He's not been doing as many episodes lately. Um, I like the uh, uh, Blood Bank Guy, Blood Bank Guy Essentials, I think. It's a blood banking podcast. So there's like not that many episodes that are interesting. But if you see a topic that sounds like there's 30 or 40% relevance to what we do. It's like, you never are going to get more in, you know, information in the inside world of transfusion medicine. So that's the kind of stuff that I like find just compelling. Oh, well, so, you know, the old days there was uh Jeff guys podcast, ICU rounds. I was going to say, that's like, that's, that's the, the real one, OG. Yeah. That, yeah. That is the real OG. That was the very first, um, probably the very first podcast period that I listened to. Yeah. That's way um, up there. He would yeah. just it would just do didactic lectures about critical care, but it it was good stuff and it was a lot of basic relevant topics. Um, I mean, it, you know, he kind of went through them and then he stopped updating. I think he briefly revived it during COVID, um, but it's essentially oh, yeah. archived. But I I think they're mostly there. I don't know that they're all still available online, which is too bad. But oh, um, Louisville Lectures, their uh, internal medicine program, kind of like Maryland program, they would release I think their whatever their weekly didactics or something like that. I did that for a while, and then um, a lot of the topics are not that relevant, uh, so I kind of dropped off, but they have some good stuff. There's a couple others that I'll kind of hit and miss. 
according to topics and you know if what if I feel like it's relevant more to my personal practice, which like I said is sort of niche. Uh, but trauma ICU rounds. Speaking of Jeff Guy, he was surgical ICU rounds. Uh, sort of Dennis Kim sort of took that name over from him, I think. Uh, and we had Dennis on the on the show a while back. He he told us that Jeff Guy, you know, said please. With my blessing, yeah, I think you asked name. permission. Yeah. Um, but yeah, trauma ICU rounds with Dennis Kim is really good. Um, I don't do a lot of trauma, but I do do a lot of surgical critical care, so that's that's helpful for me. Um, the other thing that I will listen to that's sort of medicine adjacent. Um, there's the Emergency Mind podcast with Dan Dorcas. Uh, Dan, we had on the podcast not too long ago. Um, his podcast is really good. It is less medicine and more the things you learn as an ED slash critical care provider on topics like um, leadership or, you know, remaining cool in a crisis or, um, you know, things like that. The sort of the, the less medically things that we do every day. Um, And I really like that one. I am into simulation training now with my students and with our fellows and stuff. So I also like um, the, uh, the podcast Simulcast. Um, it is all about medical simulation training, um, and it's really nice. They go over things like um, debriefing and how to uh, run successful in situ simulation, or um, you know, um, just different different things that you can do in the sim lab, uh, and along with kind of reviewing the latest and greatest and what's out there in the simulation literature. So. Uh, again, not really clinical medicine, but I do a lot of teaching, and so that's really helpful to me. Uh, some others that are are popular, and well, so uh, the Palmcast used to be a really good one. Um, there was uh, Palm Critical Care APPs. It's kind of uh, become archived now, but they have some good stuff in there. Um, yeah, Trauma ICU Grounds, I agree, is a fun one. Um, what was I going to say? There's some others that are are popular. I, I I'm kind of hit or miss on listening. The Internet Book of Critical Care, um, Josh mm-hmm. Farkas's online kind of critical care textbook. They do a podcast with company. It's kind of discussion and summaries of the the text articles. Um, a lot of people like I I listen, um, not very regularly. Uh, I don't know why. Um, it never really quite grabs me. You know, they're a little sarcastic. Which sounds funny because I feel like I'm kind of a sarcastic person, but for whatever reason, it's the, the tone's a little light for me. <laughs> I don't know. I, sh- I have to introspect on that one. Um, I love those guys, but oh, um, uh, Palm Peeps is a, a newish one. Uh, a lot of like Palm Critical Care faculty are producing it. They have a lot of really good content. I've had a hard time getting engaged. Also, I, I have some issues with their quality and. Um, it's a little slow. Like, it has kind of an academic flavor. You know, so you have to sit through, like, five, ten minutes of, like, introductions and hearing people's titles and stuff like that. I don't know. Very discussion-y. So, you know, discussions can be hard to make dense because it's, uh, you know, it's hard to get one person who can speak well. Good luck getting five together in a room. Um, yeah, speaking of podcasts that are on your list that you never quite listen to, the Critical Care Reviews podcast. Um, I don't know if you guys know this one. Um, the Critical Care Reviews is a great site. Um, I get their email and I skim it every time I get it too, but they just re- go over the most recent literature in 
what feels like 1500 different journals. I don't know how in the world um, these guys have time to look at all these things, but they just sort of summarize stuff. So I have it in my podcast feed uh, with the intention of listening to every episode. And that way I'm always up to date on the literature and I listen to it pretty infrequently, probably because I say I want to be up to date in the literature, but I really don't care that much um, because I feel like the stuff that I'm doing every day in my little niche world I am up to date on. Um, and a lot of the general critical care literature is not super applicable to me. So, yeah, it's easy to say you like evidence-based medicine, but it's, uh, you know, the, the proof is in the, the doing clearly. <laughs> yeah. When you have to actually read the evidence, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a lot harder to make that argument. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, what else? Uh, trauma cast as the East trauma people do that one. Sometimes that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. That's, I used to yeah. listen to that a bunch. I not as much anymore, but yeah. Oh, the ultrasound podcast. That's another one that's kind of died off. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah. They, that, that's another real classic and they used to have a ton of ultrasound content. Um, those guys have kind of gone on to other things now, but I think it's all still available on there. Um, oh, uh, smack the, the smack conference. Oh, yeah, Smack and um, the... Uh, the It's Coda I, now is their new uh, one, yeah. Yeah, um, but what's the, the other group, though, that it started from? Um, intensive Care, uh, Intensive uh, Care Network. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they would do... Those were both thing. fantastic, and yeah. Um, yeah, they've sort of fallen away, I think, too. Coda now does some stuff, but uh, yeah, ICN... Um, and and Smack both were really great. Yeah, Smack would just release their the talks from their conference, which was um, uh, f- you know famously good stuff. Um, and if you couldn't go, it was either using Australia or Europe or something. Then at least you could hear them. I think they're all still available online, and there's some classics there for sure. All right, so that's podcasts. Um, what about non podcasts? What about written stuff like blogs? Blogs are such a classic format for medical education. Now they're kind of it's hard to get anyone to sit down and read something, but they're still out there. What, which ones have you liked or, or still like and read? Um, yeah, I actually do read quite a few medical blogs. So that is one way that I still kind of keep in touch with stuff. Um, one that I really like, it's not always super relevant to critical care, uh, but is uh, Taming of the Shrew. And this is from produced by the Emergency Department of Emergency Medicine at the University of Cincinnati. And the shrew is SRU, the shock resuscitation unit. So that's the, the sort of critical care recess area of their ED. Um, and they have posts on different topics. They have an, one called the air care series where they go through uh, stuff specifically related to their pre-hospital and flight stuff. Um, that's interesting, if not always applicable. Um, one that's really, really nice that I like though, is they do one called grand rounds recap where they just basically recap their grand rounds each week. Um, you know, a lot of it is EM stuff that doesn't apply to me and I skim past it, but it's just like an outline format, you know, Dr. So-and-so got up and talked about this and here are his take home points. And then Dr. So-and-so got up and talked about this and here's what she said. And it's just bullet points and you just sort of skim through it. Uh, a lot of times there's links to, more information if you want to like see the articles they discussed or whatever. Um, but I really like it. I find it very helpful. It's one that comes up in my blog feed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Um, I have just, I don't read as nearly as much as I used to. And I feel like a lot of the good uh, blogs and websites that continue to be active are emergency medicine. Those guys have really just yeah. been good about keeping up with that stuff. 
Um, critical care has kind of not been quite so much. I um, there's still a lot of good ultrasound stuff. I don't know if you'd call them blogs, but mm-hmm. good resources. Um, uh, five minute sano is still very active. That's um, yep. gosh, it was one of the ultrasound podcasts. Jake Avila. Yeah, Jake Avila. Um, a core ultrasound, isn't that the? Yeah, I think that's his. Uh, yeah, that's kind of his broader website. I think there, there's a, a ton of stuff on there, including clips. Educational cases. Yeah, those um, are the guys who who do the ultrasound podcast too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. They're kind of that kind of became core ultrasound, ultrasound training now. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's sort of my go to site for all things Pocus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You try to train people, and you know, Pocus was always something that's you can really do a lot of kind of self directed training, and and that's what this kind of foam stuff is so great for. Um, right. Oh, the um, the trauma professionals blog. It's Michael McGonagall. Oh, yeah. uh, he's Mike the, McGonagall. the trauma director somewhere in the Midwest. Um, yeah, it, it, good good trauma kind of surgery topics, and um, pretty was pretty active. I haven't checked in a little while now. He's a, a, a newsletter too, I think. Yeah, geez, what else? There's always life in the fast lane. That was an old life classic. in the fast lane. I was gonna say is a great yeah. one. That's like my. I mean, I have that like bookmark. They need an app really because I will. Yeah. I have their site bookmarked on my phone. I pull it up. I mean, probably once a week at least at, at yeah, work. Yeah, because it is more of a reference. Um, they, it kind of yeah. just put a ton of stuff in on all kinds of topics, and you could dig through and, and find the stuff you want. It's like, it's like Google is your way to find stuff on there almost. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, one that I like, it's not really a blog, but it has an RSS feed, so you can pull it up through your blog reader. Um, if you like little micro-learning, little bits, little nuggets, it's something called icupearls.org. Um, it's a website. There's a pearl of the day. So like uh, today's uh, IV and oral acetaminophen, and it's just got a question. IV acetaminophen has better efficacy than oral acetaminophen for perioperative pain, true or false? And then it gives you the answer and uh, a brief, like one little paragraph explaining it. It, you can, it takes less than a minute to read them. Uh, it pops up in my blog feeder and I read, uh, read them every day. Some of them I don't really care about, so I just skip it, but some of them are really helpful. Um, and they're really great for like students too. Yeah, the yeah, f- along those lines, um, the uh, also University of Maryland, the UMEM uh, educational pearls. I think it was a series. It's um, they email them. I, I'm sure they're available online too. But I think it's every day or something you can get one. And they're just little tidbits of uh, stats, facts, teaching points on emergency medicine topics, which of course means uh, related to everything. Um, I haven't mm-hmm. gotten them in a while, but those were good things. Oh, there. I mean, in re- terms of reference things, there's um, uh, deranged physiology. That's a good thing. Derangedphysiology.org. Oh, deranged physiology is the best. Like, yeah, if you really want to understand how things work. Yeah, I can't remember his name. He's, uh, I think, the UK, and it's, I think, meant to be a reference for like critical care boards there. So it's kind of formatted that way. But it's just this massive archive. And it's not just a dump. I mean, he, it's like stuff he writes out, which makes it very readable. But it's like it's like facts going down to like the molecular structure of like the oxygen tanks that are you know used for patient rooms or whatever. On just all yeah. kinds of topics. So you can find like these this massive wealth of things there. And it's that kind of like slightly unhinged, like esoterica that makes you um w- wonder who the, like the guy who produced this stuff was either you would just be amazing to have a beer with or you like might not leave him alone with your like bicycles but um yeah <laughs> uh it's awesome stuff <laughs> yeah um another good sort of not not resource dump but a uh 
compendium, I guess maybe you could say, is um, Critical Care Now, um, Haney Malamet's site. Lots of different people write for that, um, including several friends of the podcast. Um, lots of good little articles. I've I've put a, I wrote one article for it once upon a time, and then realized I didn't have time to keep writing articles every day. But um, that's a that's a good place for a, a quick article. Um, really nicely peer reviewed stuff from the behind the scenes perspective. Yeah, you're right. They have a whole stable of um a good material. Oh yeah, so there's there's kind of cardiology stuff that's out there that's great um steven smith's ecg blog uh by steven smith um as you might imagine he's he's an uh, emergency medicine guy but uh, i mean easily one of the um the best ekg interpreters in the world and i don't just say that in some nebulous way but i mean he's really put deep thought into a lot of subtleties and a lot of research and publications on things like uh you know recognizing subtle acs and produced a lot of algorithms for you know differentiating tricky diagnoses and things um and i mean if you if you spend a year reading these posts you could you would be like a a true god of ekgs i used to be super into ekgs and now i suck but that that's that would be a way to go he's just still just putting stuff out there that's amazing um getting back to some pocus stuff pocus 101 is a good site that just explains lots of really good um, stuff about pocus exams not necessarily strictly critical care but lots of different pocus type stuff um, one of my favorite sites for teaching is the University of Toronto's point of, or sorry, a perioperative interactive education or PI. Um, it's a site, it's got tons of good stuff. It's got some POCUS, it's got some, uh, echo, it's got uh, a Bronx simulator. That's really nice. I have all my students kind of do that. It's a little like flash kind of thing where you go down and look at the anatomy of the, the bronchial tree. Uh, it's got uh, little bits about ECMO. Um, it's got uh, you know all sorts of good stuff, tons of stuff, and it's really interactive. Scott, Scott Weingar also maintains a site called Crashing Patient. It's crashingpatient.com, dot mm-hmm. I think he doesn't really advertise it. it it's literally it reads just like a, a an unedited dump from like his notes app. So it's just like a, an outline of topics, and it's like it's like notes from them. It's like relevant and important studies and references facts from here or there um so like you know you have to dig through it but there there's a ton of information in there i I don't know that he's still putting stuff in there but there's like a you know career's worth of stuff if you want to go look for things what about do you um are you ever a either discussion forum guy or a um like listserv mailing list guy these are again things that were i think dominated you know, web uh, discussion a little more a while ago. Now there may be aging formats, but there used to be some amazing communities online. Yeah, I used to. I used to be on the um, CCML, the Critical Care Medicine Listserv. Uh, it's an email listserv. Um, I got off a while back just because I felt like I got constantly bombarded with emails and. Um, some of them were relevant. Some of them were not. Um, I just didn't find it as helpful anymore. And uh, it was just sort of, I, fi- I found that I would get, my inbox would be full of stuff that I would go, I'll read this later. I'll read this later. And I never did. Uh, so I sort of unsubscribed to it. But it was really helpful for a while, uh, learning stuff and making some connections too, right? I've made connections with people 
kind of all over the world through that listserv, but I think it's still up and running. Yeah, I'm, I am still on CCML. It's definitely a, a classic. It, like most of these listservs, it has become, um, um, what's the right word? Although active, it's like the people on it are mostly the people who have been on it for 10, 20 years. Like it's not, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of like young faces. <laughs> I imagine because young faces are not looking for this type of discussion. They'd be like, what is this? You have to explain what a listserv is. Yeah, like a diverse international group of some, you know, phenomenal experts. Uh, but yeah, it is sort of a, a perhaps a dwindling type of thing. But yeah, that's the only one that I'm still on. I used to be on other. There's the uh, there's the trauma list. I think trauma L. I think that one actually is dead. Um, yeah, there, I was on that for a while back in yeah. the day. But God, there's the EKG club. Got really going back here. I think they had a Facebook group for a while, and I think they're, they've also gone away. And then, you know, web forums, too. People are just, I mean, I guess there's Reddit and stuff. I imagine there's communities there, but people are just not making use of this stuff quite as much anymore. I feel like social media like Twitter has kind of taken over that. It's just so easy to use. So I guess what about that? I mean, I think Twitter is, for you and I, most of what, I know there's things like TikTok that we don't understand, but um, are there any good like Twitter accounts that you think are particularly useful to follow? And I say useful because that distinguishes it from, say, um, stupid or funny, which is the other half of Twitter. <laughs> right, yeah. I um, Yeah, you're right. There, there are some... Uh, there's a lot of entertainment on Twitter, uh, and some people would say it's not terribly entertaining, but uh, you know, a lot of useful stuff out there. Um, I have actually not been super active in Twitter in a while. Um, I check it a lot. I just don't post a ton. Um, I'm trying to think who my kind of big go-to people are that I follow. Some people have been pretty consistent about putting out like content, like tutorials yeah. and cases and facts. Um, uh, a good one. Um, I am crit. Um, I think it's just at I am C R I T. I'm pretty sure he's just a intensivist, but he he does some really good um, like case threads with a lot of good ultrasound stuff. Um, really, just kind of nitty gritty clinical uh, critical care. That one's worth following. Uh, you know, one that I do follow that I, I like uh, again critical care adjacent. The stuff that I feel like I don't know well enough. Um, is one called Radiology Masterclass. They're at Rad Masterclass. They have a website too that's really great. It's probably my favorite radio learn radiology website. Um, but their Twitter account, they'll just post images from CTs, X-rays, MRIs, etc., and kind of you know what do you see here? What is this? Let's talk about it. And people will weigh in, and then they'll kind of explain some things. Um, so that I, I find that helpful, just because I'm always trying to be a better radiology interpreter. Yeah, and again, I mean, that's probably lower hanging fruit than the topics that are like right in our wheelhouse. You see what the, you know, when you walk down a flight of stairs and you stick your head into the the radiology reading room or the nephrology conference room or whatever, like what are those guys talking about? And you, you mm-hmm. can learn all kinds of stuff. Um, Casey Albin, who we've had on the show a couple times, um, does yeah. really good educational stuff. I think she's... Um, She's been associated now with I think one of the uh, neurology journals or something, and creating like somewhat endorsed tutorials or something. But lots of good stuff. Yeah. Um, speaking of EKGs, um, Amama too. He's a good EKG guy who I follow on Twitter. Um, and he'll post EKGs to read and little things about them. Oh, um, by the way, all these you can find if you search for these names. Um, Ron Barbosa, yeah. who we had on, talk about 
rib yeah. plating. Um, uh, he, what is he? R. Barbosa, 91. Um, he's been doing a lot of good little threads about surgical, like micro concepts, like types of sutures. What are, you know, the name of a tool and why it's like that. Um, things that are, I think, readable and applicable enough that even non-surgeons, it's at least interesting and maybe even useful. Yeah. Um, but just to really, again, the kind of that glimpse into another world. Uh, and certainly if you're in a surgical realm, I think really useful Yeah, as stuff. I say, as someone who's not a surgeon but does a lot of stuff with surgery, I find those very interesting and very helpful. Um, just like you said, to sort of understand the other side of things that I don't see every day, things that are going on in the OR or why you do things the way you do things. I mean, jo Josh Farkas, of course, we mentioned um, right. intercurricular care, but he's not like wildly active on Twitter. He's probably busy doing real things. But when he does post, it's it's good stuff usually, important yeah. uh, new literature and um, incisive takes on the the mountains of data he reads through and that sort of thing. He's worth following. Um, I'll tell you what I have started doing more is Instagram. Um, following folks on Instagram. Um, it offers a nice little visual that you don't get you don't get with Twitter as easily. You know, you can get it on Twitter, right? But uh, a little bit a little bit easier on uh, on Instagram. Uh, a lot of POCUS stuff. Critical Care Now, which I mentioned earlier with websites, has a lot of good stuff where they'll just post quick little videos explaining something. Um, like I said, a lot of POCA stuff. POCA Society um, has uh, has some good stuff that they post. Yeah, I have not hardly stuck my foot into there. This must be a sign of aging. Just the idea of breaking into a new platform <laughs> sounds exhausting. That's how I feel about I mean, TikTok. even like YouTube. Like I am on YouTube a lot, and yet while I'm sure there must be some good educational stuff. Well, actually, I guess I'm not sure if that's true, but I imagine there must be some stuff. But um, it's uh, it just sounds like a lot of work to find it all, and it, it's like, you know, it's like yeah. you know, I'm not really looking for new friends right now. <laughs> not, right, right. I'm not really searching if for you, new. <laughs> if you like uh, cardiac and cardiac surgery, critical care, uh, Rishi Kumar uh, is on Instagram at uh, Rishi M D R I S H I M D. And he is a cardiac anesthesiologist and intensivist, and he just will put a picture up of a graph and explain it, like PA waveforms, or um, you know how different drugs work, or how the ECMO circuit works, or LVADs and stuff like that. Um, all sorts of good stuff with good pictures, either diagrams or actual pictures, videos and stuff. He is one of the sites that I probably get the most of as, as I'm scrolling through. If you're if you're not f too familiar with Instagram, when you scroll through, if anything is like potentially sensitive content, it's like blurred out, and it says sensitive content warning. You have to click on it to say so you don't accidentally see something gross. Uh, a lot of his stuff is like that because it's good OR pictures. You know, it's the, the heart beating during surgery. Um, really, really good stuff with that. All right. Well, that I mean, maybe that's enough good stuff to go by. Um, I, uh, I'm not going to promise to all these wonderful listeners that I'm actually going to like link all these things we listed here. Cause that sounds like a lot of work, but if, um, <laughs> if you can't find something we mentioned and you're trying feel free to reach out, uh, what, uh, what other stuff should we talk about? What have we failed to mention about this important topic? I don't, you know, so I don't, there's nothing I follow on it, but YouTube has a ton of good stuff on it. 
uh, if you just search around for it. Um, yeah, I guess I'd love to hear from you, the audience, if if yeah. there's like really something on YouTube I ought to be keeping track. What, of. Yeah, what are we missing here? What are we? What should we be watching, following, listening to, reading, etc.? Let us yeah. know. And I, I think clearly the trend in all this, because I mean, now that we're getting a little older, we can see some longitudinal patterns. Is shorter attention spans. You know, people want things that they don't have to sit down and type or read or even potentially watch. They want like five, 10 seconds or like little snippets. Um, and from the producer side, people want to either make money on it in some way, meaning that you either pay them or they can run ads or some kind of monetization, or um, they want to do it less. <laughs> so the. The yeah. days of like really massive productions of free stuff that nobody paid for, you're not seeing as much of it anymore. That, you know, it's just the way the world goes, I guess. Things start out as passion projects and then people get old and have kids and now they want to, you know, spend less time on their free stuff. Right. Yeah. All right. That'll probably do it for that. Talk to you next time. Yeah. See you guys. Bye.